This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and just so delighted to be here with you today after a brief hiatus of a couple of weeks, uh, for which I do apologize. Uh, we, we, I, we, I, my, my family and I, by we, I, of course, am not invoking the royal we. I mean, we as in me and other members of my family, we have been uh, dealing with some pressing family issues, and I will leave it at that. And I am gen- genuinely sorry that it has affected uh, my my output here on the podcast. You know, it's not a very fancy operation that I have here. It's it's as you know, basically me sitting in my closet with a microphone, talking out into the ether, and uh, I, I can't even lie and say that I have just not had two seconds to spare. But I've really not had the mental or emotional bandwidth. It, it, it's just been a little bit of a um. Of a hectic time on the home front. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. Uh, things are going in a good direction. But I, I'm not trying to be mysterious. But you know, I, I have an an older mother, as does Lawrence, and both of our mothers are are widowed and and living on their own. My mom lives on her own in Florida, and so you know, things come up and and require the the. What's the word I'm looking for? The the whole family, I guess, to to jump on top of, and um, that can eat into time for other projects. And so, yeah, here we are, clean on the other side of it, and moving forward. Later on in today's episode, by the way, I will be answering a question from a reader. It's been a long time since I've done that, so I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys about it. Um, I am also. Looking forward to going on my first vacation next month, my first vacation with my husband. Gosh, I don't even know. You know, so in 2019, in August, Labor Day weekend, we went we went for a long weekend to visit some friends in Stockholm. Um, uh, Lawrence's friend was turning 60 and his fiance was turning 40. Their birthdays were close together. So that they, they had a hundredth birthday party. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And so it was on a Saturday night. You know, we did the Friday to Sunday thing and then spent a day in Iceland on the way back. And so it's uh, so a long weekend. But I think that was our last vacation away together since maybe 2016, where we actually went away for some period of time longer than a weekend. Um, So it's been a while. So we are going away for 10 days in May. I'm very excited about it. I will do my best to record a podcast to leave here with you in my absence. I don't know how the cats are going to take it. I'm not even kidding when I say that I'm a little bit worried about it because it, it, it has been so long since Lawrence and I have gone away together for more than a few days. And of course, for the last couple of years, 
we have been very, very homebound. Like most people, first there was shutdown. And even once things opened up, you know, we still are not out as often as we used to be prior to the pandemic. We're still not out to dinner as much. We we haven't been back to the theater. I mean, movie, we've seen a couple of movies, but we haven't gone to see any plays or or any other cultural activities or events in New York. We're just not doing as much of that kind of thing. We are just not out of the house in restaurants, bars, theaters, what have you, stores, et cetera, et cetera, as we used to be. Um, and so, you know, and I, I don't know how far back our cat's memories go. I'm not sure that they, we, our cats are 10 years old now. And it's hard to believe that the last time we were away, Lawrence and I were out of the house at the same time for more than four days, let's say. The cats were only about four years old, and now they're 10. So even though it doesn't seem like so long, I mean, it seems like a long time to have gone without a vacation, but it doesn't feel like eons and eons ago. Whereas as far as the cats are concerned, I can't even really be sure that 10-year-old cats can remember back to a 10-day period when they were only four years old. Uh, Oh my gosh, and they're 10 now. So I don't know how it's all going to go. And and we may come back to a couple of very betrayed feeling kitties. And and actually, the cats are already sort of um, in crisis, I guess, in our house, because as I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, you know, life has been a little stressful here lately. There's been a lot going on and some serious family issues that have had to be attended to, which are, again, I, I don't want to be melodramatic about it or anything, but, you know, this is what life is at a certain point. And um, so, and and along, continuing along the lines of we, we haven't really been on a vacation in a very long time. We're not doing as much outside of the house, which is kind of its own stress reliever. You know, you put everything down, you go out, uh, you see a movie, you have dinner out, you hook up with friends, whatever the case may be. And it's not that we're not doing those things at all. We're just still not doing it as often. And um, so I I made a, a rather frivolous and expensive investment in something called a sauna blanket. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, a sauna blanket is, is basically like if a sleeping bag and a heated blanket had a baby, it would be the sauna blanket. And by baby, I don't mean that it's small. It's actually quite large. I just mean that a sauna blanket is basically a, a heated bl- a heated sleeping bag. Um, So the idea is that you get into this and you lie in it for about 50 minutes or so and and you sweat like crazy. And it's supposed to be very physically relaxing and also a mood elevator, um, which I can attest to it being it, it definitely is. Both of those things. It, it is probably the most expensive thing that I've bought myself in a very long time. It costs about six hundred dollars. Which I realize for some people is going to be, oh, what is $600? $600 is nothing. And for other people, it's going to seem like an outrageous expense. And I guess I fall somewhere in the middle of that. It, it's a lot more than I customarily spend on anything that could be put under the heading of, let's say, self-care in the home. Um but I, I did. I spent the $600. I, I really needed to relax. And it is amazing for that, by the way. It is very relaxing. It is very good for mood. There are all kinds of health benefits that that the people who make 
And there are various brands of sauna blanket. I don't want to mention any specific one because I, I don't want it to seem like I am shilling. I This is all promotion and ad-free, my entire podcast. But and, and just to keep that clean, I will not say the specific brand of sauna blanket that I use. There are a few different brands. They make all of these health claims that they help you lose weight, um, that they cleanse toxins out of your body. I am highly skeptical of of both of those claims, as far as toxins go, your your kidneys filter toxins out of your body. Uh, sweat does not really release toxins. It releases a lot of salt. And that's why athletes drink Gatorade and things like that after they've worked up a good sweat. But it's, it's not going to get things like mercury and, and other heavy metals out of your body. And as far as weight loss goes, I mean, if you anything that makes you sweat a lot, you'll, you'll lose a certain amount of water weight, I guess. But I'm very skeptical of anything that claims that you can literally lie on your back doing nothing and lose weight. I, I don't think that's really a thing. I don't think anything works like that. Uh, but as far as the claims for relaxation and mood goes, I will say 100% yes, sauna blankets are great for that. Um, the only thing is they, they are very clear in the instructions that if you have pets and particularly a cat, you cannot allow your cat near the sauna blanket when it's on or even when it's off. And that makes sense because the whole thing is strung through with, with wires and, and heating, you know, heating devices. And you certainly don't want a claw to inadvertently pierce the fabric and get into the wiring, even if it's unplugged. You, you know, you, you don't want to crawl into something that has faulty wiring, obviously. And and so the, the point being that uh, the, the sauna blanket and cats are, or as they say, unmixy things. They, they do not go together. And you wouldn't think it would be such a big deal for me to just take one hour, not even a full hour, like like 50 minutes out of the day in the bedroom with the door closed and no cats allowed in, you would not think that would be such a very big deal. But I, I, oh my God, the cats and Clayton in particular will sit, I, you know, I have to turn my ambient relaxation music way, way up, or, or even now I've started putting on headphones because the cats just sit outside the bedroom door and and bay. Clayton in particular, like like a wolf howling at the moon. And I wonder sometimes if they know that I'm in there with a heated blanket. Because for Fanny in particular, I think that would actually increase the feeling of betrayal. Not just that I'm in the bedroom and have closed the door and I'm not allowing them in. But that I'm in there with something heated that you can crawl into. I think if Fanny knew, she might actually never speak to me again because Fanny's whole thing is heat. Fanny loves in the winter to – she has a, a special little schmata, um, which is Yiddish for rag, by the way. She has a special little schmata that she lies in front of the radiator on and until her belly gets so hot to the touch that, that it, it's very hard to even pet her because her fur is so hot. And so, yeah, Fanny is really a big fan of anything that's heated, anything you can sit in front of, lie on top of, crawl into that's heated, except, of course, the heated cat bed that I specifically bought for her. Because why would she want to use something that I actually spent a lot of money on to buy for her pleasure? That that was clearly a foolish idea that I had in the first place. She loved the box 
that the heated cat bed came in, but she could not have been less interested in the heated cat bed if it had actually been invisible to cats. If there were some sort of cloaking device that I had put, something that, that rendered it unseeable and, and unsmellable to cats and had put this cloaking device over the heated cat bed, I, I don't think Fanny's interest level in the heated cat bed could actually have decreased. So in other words, if Fanny had not even known it was there, she couldn't have been less interested in it, even though sleep, sleeping on something soft and sleeping on something heated are her two favorite things. So maybe she wouldn't be so interested in the heated cat bed, but given that I lie in, you know, that I, I mean, I'm sorry, in the sauna blanket, but given that I crawl into it, she probably would be at least a little bit interested. And so it's become a very contentious <laughs> issue in our house, and it drives Lawrence crazy uh, because Lawrence is usually trying to work or or do really anything. There's just nothing pleasant about listening to two cats howling at a bedroom door. And and I do wonder every day if it's worth the toll that it's taking on the rest of the household. But it's so relaxing, you guys. It is so, so incredibly relaxing that I am just very, very reluctant to to give it up. And I am hoping that the cats will settle in after a couple of weeks and just, you know, recognize that between five and six in the evening is is mom's alone time. I don't know. But in, in a bigger picture sense, I guess what, the point that I'm ultimately coming back to is I don't feel that this bodes particularly well for our vacation. You know, I'm wondering if, if any of you guys, um, how many answers, if there's anything that you do for your cats when you travel or when you go away to make the separation a little bit easier for them. Obviously, we have some feel away plugins and we have a wonderful pet sitter who comes twice a day and he doesn't just put down food and leave. He really, he hangs out with them. He spends time with them. That is uh, Mark Blanchard, by the way, of the Cats Meow, for those of you here in Jersey City. Uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful pet sitter. And, and Mark, if you're listening, big shout out to you. And, and Clayton just adores him. Uh, but nevertheless, it's, you know, obviously a little bit of a trying time for the kitty. So so any suggestions that anybody might have of things we could do to make the separation a little bit easier for the cats? I am all ears. And on that note, I am going to take a brief break for about 30 seconds or so. And when I come back, I will be answering this week's reader question, and I hope that you will stick around to hear the question along with my answer. So please do sit back, relax, get comfortable, and stick around for more Curl Up With a Cattail. much for sticking around. And now we are going to dive into the first listener question that I have answered in quite some time. And this one comes from listener Nancy Reed. So those of you who listen to the podcast regularly may recall that a couple of weeks ago, I answered a, le- a, a letter from a listener who wanted to know, you know, she had recently lost a cat, which is a pain that that we are all 
familiar with. And she recalled having sort of a contentious relationship at times with this cat. And sometimes they, you know, got irritated with each other or seemed to vex each other on purpose. Or rather, she thought the cat was irritating her on purpose and she would respond by getting irritated. And she wanted to know how you could be sure that that you loved a cat or that the cat loved you in return. And so we talked about that. I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, I believe the episode name is Let's Be Smart. And so if, if that is a topic that is of interest to you, I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, but basically, you know, the the very short nutshell version of the answer that I gave was that our relationships with our cats are real relationships. Real relationships are rarely, quote unquote, perfect by their nature, right? We Those relationships bring us the greatest joys, but they can also bring us the greatest frustrations and, and some of the greatest angers. And, and while we do think of our relationships with our animals as being in, in many ways very, very pure, and I do not disagree with that, that is not the same thing as saying that it sometimes doesn't get really irritating when, for example, you are trying to lie in your expensive new sauna blanket and just relax for 50 lousy minutes out of the day, and your cat can't even give you 50 minutes of silence and solitude. And why is that so much to ask? Um, just as a for example. So it, it does happen to all of us. But anyway, I, I expounded a little bit upon this theme, which prompted uh, listener Nancy Reed to write to me. And, and I also said that, you know, looking back on my relationships with my cats, there are times where I, you know, certainly I lost my temper and I wish I had not done so or hadn't done so as frequently or or just in general. I, I am not free of all regrets when it comes to my relationships with the cats that I have had over the years, which again, to me, I take more as a sign of of showing the the substance and 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 how real and important those relationships were as opposed to that meaning that they are in some way flawed or not what they were supposed to be or not as good as as other people's relationships with their cats. And so Nancy Reed's question was sort of a follow-up question to that. And she wanted to know, she wanted me to expound a little bit upon some uh, what, what some of those regrets were. What specifically are some of the things that I wish I had done differently with my cats, either the cats I live with now or, or my, my, as I refer to them, my first generation cats about whom I wrote Homer's Odyssey, i.e. Scarlet, Vashti, and of course, Homer. And I really was not kidding when I said, I, I really do. For, for all that, I, I think people read my books and, and think that I have the, these perfect model relationships with my cats or that I am some sort of a quote unquote, you know, perfect cat mom. And I absolutely am not. Um, and, and right off the top, one of the big regrets that I have is I wish I had known a lot more about feline nutrition or I wish I had known as much about feline nutrition when my first generation cats were younger or really all the way through their lives, as I know right now. And that might not sound like such a big deal, but I, I really think there was a, I mean, certainly some unnecessary medical conditions and, and some unnecessary unhappiness that my cats went through because I, I literally did not know any better than to just give them all 
a big giant bowl full of of cat chow dry food. And that was their primary food for the first many years of their lives. Um, Scarlett eventually became overweight and diabetic. Uh, Vashti developed a food allergy, which manifested itself by continually itchy ears, which I didn't even realize were related to her food. And, and I attempted to do other things to alleviate that that discomfort for her and was unable to do so. And I did have a conversation with my vet about feline nutrition at that point in so far as he suggested a different protein source for her food, it had literally never occurred to me that the problem in her ears might be connected with the food that she was eating. And so we switched to a different brand that had venison as a protein source instead of chicken. But even then, that was the entire conversation that that we had. And I, I guess part of what I'm saying is I wish that various doctors, veterinarians that I had over the years had 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 a conversation with me about feline nutrition and didn't just take blood tests and or treat them for little bites or sprains or or things like that, but that we had really talked about good, healthy feline nutrition because there were a lot of things that I just didn't know. I didn't know that an all dry food diet is not good for most cats. I did not know that cats could get diabetes and that they could get diabetes from food that they ate. I didn't know that they could get food allergies that caused itchiness in their ears. Um, this was not a problem Homer ever had, but Clayton did have this problem. And male cats who eat a lot of dry food can end up getting crystals in their urine that can lead to urinary tract blockages, which was definitely something I did not know until it happened to Clayton. Uh, by the time Clayton, by the way, that by the time that happened to Clayton, I did know a lot more about feline nutrition. I had already been through Scarlett's diabetes, Homer's liver issues. Vashti's kidney issues. Again, part of me feels that a lot, well, certainly the diabetes, but some of these other issues might have been different, might have played out differently or not even occurred had I made better dietary choices for my cats all throughout their lives. Again, this was all based on my ignorance. Um, What happened was that Homer at the very end of his life had liver problems and it was very important to keep him eating. And so we put a lot of effort into finding foods that he was very enthusiastic about. And one of the foods that he was very enthusiastic about was kitten chow. And so we let him eat as much kitten. You know, at this point, Homer was nearly 17. He was in the final stages of liver illness. He had We had been told he had about two weeks to live, and he ended up living another nine months. And I think some of that was due down to the enthusiasm with which he was eating. And so we just let him eat as much as he wanted of whatever he wanted. And one of the things he really, really liked was kitten chow. So we gave him kitten chow. When he passed away, we still had a full box of it left. Um, Clayton at this point was a year and a half old. And we had not given, again, by that point, I, I knew better than to just give him a steady diet of kitten chow and nothing else. Um, But having said that, he really liked the kitten chow, too. And my thinking at the time was, well, we have this box of it, and he really likes it. And he's only a year and a half old, and he has the whole, you know, you will let a seven-year-old eat, you know, a lot like a big slice slab of cake and ice cream more than maybe somebody who's middle-aged to whom it's going to do more damage. You know, I figured Clayton is very young. He, this one box of kitten chow right now is is not going to wreck him nutritionally for the whole rest of his life. And um, so I let him eat it and he ate mostly that and very little of his wet food and ended up with a urinary tract blockage um, in large, but, you know, as, in a combination, as a combination of that food. And then we think also 
the stress uh, from from losing Homer. Anyway, the point being that right off the top, I, I wish that is one of my big regrets and certainly something that Fanny and Clayton get the benefit of. They, they, you know, and I, and I guess it's, it's like a lot of people, maybe with human children, if, if you have them, if you have a lot, you know, let's say three or four children of varying ages, you probably always wish you had known some of the things with the older ones that you know by the time you get to the younger kids. And so this, this is definitely one thing I really, really do regret that I didn't know more about feline nutrition, that it didn't occur to me to look into it more. Um, when I first adopted Scarlet Vashti and Homer, this was really in the early days of the internet where the, the idea of even, I mean, this is pre Google. And so the idea of even going on and, and looking for other cat owners and information about feline nutrition, all, none of these things would have occurred to me. I know they they seem very common sense and typical now, but some thirty years ago, they this was not the case. So so there's that. Um, I definitely, you know, Clayton and Fanny get the benefit of my being older, a lot more settled, a lot more stable in terms of my finances and my living situation and my relationships and. Scarlet, Vashti, and Homer were, were very much the cats of my youth. And my like most people, my, my youth was a lot more unsettled than my current life is. Um, I regret that I had to move my cats around so much. I regret that Scarlet, Vashti, and Homer had to live for a couple of years with me in my parents' house. Um, and it was certainly wonderful of them to let us all live there when I needed that financially. But by the same token, it was not as good a situation. You know, my my parents had dogs. Uh, my cats were not completely confined to my bedroom or anything. But in effect, it sort of were, ended up working out that way a lot of the time um, because they were very nervous around the dogs, and and so that just you know, except for Homer, um, I so I wish I had lived someplace where they had. You know, I, I regret that I spent a couple of years someplace where they did not have more of a full and confident run of, of the house. Um, I, when I moved to New York, I moved into a studio apartment and again, I, it was a good size studio and it was close to 800 square feet, but it still was one room for the three cats and life got a lot better for them when we moved into Lawrence's much larger apartment. And I regret that I could not give, you know, and they had a balcony and, and, I so I I regret a, a lot of that. I regret that I could not always give my my first generation cats as good a life. I think as I've been able to give Clayton and Fanny. Um, those of you who have read My Life in a Cat House and specifically the story The Picasso of P, know that Vashti was very good at letting it be known when she was unhappy about something, and and that was usually by peeing outside of the litter box and not just peeing outside of the litter box, but strategically peeing in places where she knew it would get attention, like on my ex-boyfriend George's favorite jacket or the stove in his kitchen or things like that. Um, there, If you recall the story, at one point when I was in the process of moving, I left Scarlet Vashti and Homer with my ex-boyfriend, George, for a couple of weeks. And Scarlett and Vashti knew George very well. We had adopted Scarlett and Vashti together. We had been living together. So he was as much their parent at that point as I was. 
It wasn't like I left them. And Scarlet and Vashti had lived in that house. That was the house that they knew. Uh, they knew it better than where we had been living since George and I broke up. And um, and those of you who read the story may realize that once it dawned on Vashti that while she was living in that house, I was no longer living there with her. Um, she went on a pee campaign and and started peeing on on all of George's things and basically letting it be known that she was very unhappy at, at, in her mind being left behind at George's house and not living with me. And I will say that in the entire time, you know, after that, I, I went in and got Vashti and then Scarlet and Homer and, and brought them to my parents' house where we lived together for a couple of years. And as I said, I, I felt bad that they were so, spend so much time confined to the to the one room where they felt the most comfortable, uh, but I will say that Vashti did not pee on anything during that time. And so the the one comfort that I was always able to to give myself was that if if Vashti had been really unhappy with circumstances, that they that my cats were happier with me, even if it was in a room at my parents' house, than they were in a larger house with me, with a screened-in patio and all kinds of, you know, all the things they had at George's that I couldn't give them at that moment, but without me. Vashti in that house, that, that wonderful house without me, was much, much less happy than she was maybe a less great physical space, but with me living with her. And I, I'm not sure I'm saying <laughs> I'm a writer and I feel like I'm being surprisingly uneloquent at this particular moment. But the point being that I, I do comfort, I, I did at the time and I continue to comfort myself with the knowledge that if Vashti had been really unhappy, she was certainly adept at letting me know. Um, as were Scarlet and and Homer, you know, Homer's particular gift was for for happiness and comfort and ease wherever he was. And I guess Scarlet sort of had the inverse of that. Scar Scarlet, my my little Scarlet girl, uh, who had a very, very hard life, mostly because she was born in such a way that she looked at the world as being a, a difficult uh, place. And um, so I guess I would say that Homer was sort of equally happy everywhere and Scarlet was equally unhappy everywhere. And Scarlett, I think, was ultimately happier living with me, just me, in a studio apartment than she was living with George in a house, but having to live with another person. Um, and I think by the time we moved in with Lawrence, where it was a really big space and, you know, three bedrooms and two bathrooms and a balcony, Scarlett didn't necessarily like living with another person, but at least she had a lot more space than she'd ever had. And, and so she there were a lot more opportunities for her to to be alone and or or to get me alone, you know, to find me without one of the other cats or or both of the other cats hanging out with me. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I there's a lot, you know, it makes me feel good to remember the fact that for the last what was essentially the, the last half of their lives, I was or or the last third of Scarlet's life, let's say in the last half of Homer's. Um, we were living with Lawrence, and once we moved in with Lawrence during their lifetimes, we never moved again. And Vashti was so incredibly happy with Lawrence. And again, those of you who have read um, Homer's Odyssey or My Life in a Cat House know just what a deep and intense love affair Lawrence and Vashti had. 
And that freed up more of my time for Scarlett and Homer, which made the two of them very happy and all the extra space and the balcony and all those wonderful things made everybody very happy. Um, and, and so there were a lot of great years where I was able to give them everything I would have wanted to have given them. But of course, I cannot help but regret that I couldn't give them all of those things throughout their whole lives. They, they certainly deserved those things as much as Clayton and Fanny deserve them now. And, and Clayton and Fanny through, no fault of my first generation cats, and it's really just a roll of the dice. Like I said, they get the benefit of having come to my come into my life at a much different and and more stable and more prosperous time. Not that I'm so rich now or anything, but of course I was kind of broke, like a lot of people when I was young. I would say you don't get to be a successful writer without having spent uh, quite a few years as a struggling writer. And you would be surprised at how little money there is <laughs> in being a struggling writer. Um, but yeah, so so I would say that those are really my regrets. And and I do. There are specific instances where I've gotten impatient with my cats and I, and I look back and I cringe. You know, they've done something and in the moment I was very irritated. And then afterwards I am upset with myself for having been really irritated. I will say that it's, you know, of course, different with cats. You never, re- at least me, I, I never really have lost my temper with my cats the way I sometimes do with the people in my life, mostly because no matter what your cats do to irritate you, they still can't say anything really that, that just really angers you as opposed to, for example, a, a spouse um, who or, or family member who really knows how to push your buttons and, and can just say those things that really, really set you off. That is one thing that no matter how much my cats have ever irritated me, they've never done. So there's a, a, a definite upper limit to how angry with my cats I ever really get. But by the same token, they are certainly never doing anything even a little bit on purpose to irritate. Well, I think sometimes, actually. <laughs> they, they do things like like when they're meowing outside the door while I'm using the sauna blanket. They for sure want to, um, if not irritate me, they, they are trying to get my attention, let's say, in a way that they know usually works uh, because it irritates me. So, so maybe I can't say that they never irritate me on purpose. But, you know, I, I like everybody else. Sometimes you're you're just having a day, you know, you're having a bad day or you're tired or you're stressed out about something else and something hits you on the wrong level and you snap. When I say snap, I don't mean like snap, like like that show snapped about women who murder their husbands. I mean, snap, like you say something snappish, you know, you it's like shut up or be quiet or stop it when you really could just let it go and or or not use so irritated a tone of voice. Uh, my cats at least have always been very sensitive to tone of voice. So I do have some of those regrets, but I, I tend not to regret them too deeply insofar as, again, like I said, when I answered that, that listener question last time, uh, to a certain extent, I, I think that's just unavoidable. We, we, you live to, on a long enough timeline, right? Anybody who lives with you long enough is going to see all of your moods. And certainly my cats have seen all of mine. And again, that's how you know it actually is a real relationship. If it were just a relationship of of complete, complete bliss. Nobody was ever dissatisfied with anybody on any level, even a little bit for the entire course of, you know, let's say 12 to 18 years. 
then it probably is not a relationship of any particular depth or 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 where you know each other uh to to any meaningful degree and so i i tend not to regret it too deeply again i think if if my cats were in a position to understand things that I said or to say things back at me, I might have more of those wincing regrets about some specific and particularly hurtful thing that I said. But it, that's one thing that we are certainly spared in our relationships with our cats. I, I've i never felt the need to insult my cats. And even if I had, they wouldn't understand what I was saying. So I don't worry that some five to 10 years later, they're still ruminating on some terrible thing I said once and wish I had not said that that would have been better left unsaid, um, which is certainly the case with some of my my human relationships. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, you know, like, but it, it's still a process, an ongoing process of, of learning and acquiring knowledge and, and figuring out what's best. Certainly writing Homer's Odyssey uh, really put me in, in touch with such an amazing community of other cat lovers. And, and here we are talking to this day. And truly, I have learned as much from the people I've written with and, and written back and forth with and spoken with and interacted with in the years since Homer's Odyssey was published as as I have from anything else. It's been, a, I mean, just the, the last 13 years since that book came out have been years of, of tremendous growth in my own knowledge and, and upping of my game. Um, and, and so that is something that my current cats really benefit from. And, you know, again, I, I guess there's only so much I can really regret having been young and not knowing as much or having as much as I do now. But like I said, I, th- those three cats were certainly deserving of the very best that I had to give them. And I often feel now that my very best, however well-intentioned, was clearly not as good as my very best is now. And I wish it had been better. I wish I had been better. Um, but I still really believe that that we were happy and that we loved each other. And I, I certainly know that I love them and and continue to love them. And again, I at least have the comfort of knowing that, that Vashti could and would have let me know if she was genuinely unhappy. And I also believe that we were brought together for a reason. And brought together at the moment we were also for a reason. And I guess I would say that that is probably something everyone listening to this also feels that the cats that we have, that we end up with in our lives, um, that we are with them for a reason, that, that they ended up with us and, and we with them for reasons that, if not always initially clear, uh, eventually become clear. And, you know, you, you do the best you can with, with what you have. And, and onward goes this thing of ours. And I think that about wraps up the episode for this week. Just to let you guys know, I, I have been diligently attempting to follow up with the Cat Cafe in Lviv, Ukraine. Uh, I've had some email exchanges with them, but it continues to be difficult to try to schedule an actual interview for the podcast, but I am working on that. I'm also working on finding more people, just ordinary people who have started rescue organizations or or who have exceptional rescue stories. And so if you or anyone you know sort of fits that description, please feel free to drop me a line. 
You can reach me always at Gwen, G-W-E-N, at Gwen Cooper, G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. Or you can just go to GwenCooper.com. That's my website. There's a contact form there. And also there is a page for this podcast where you can leave comments and questions and I respond to them. And it's a whole communication thing that goes on. So I definitely encourage you guys to reach out to me using one of those methods about this podcast. Or if you have any questions you would like me to answer on a future episode or just let me know what you think. I I enjoy hearing from you. And if you are not currently on my mailing list and you're listening to this, you can get a free copy of a book about Homer and his family by going to my website and following the instructions there. Just click on the tab that says free book or get a free book or, or something to that effect. You'll, you'll be able to figure out once you're there. And again, that's at GwenCooper.com. And as always, it's been a pleasure sharing this time with you. Thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to rejoining all of you for an all new episode next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.